Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Like I noticed as I saw myself, <clears throat> excuse me, in my posture, in the camera, I was like, yeah, ooh, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this today. In fact, I don't even got a great answer for it. Like normally I have some sort of like clever, entertaining uh, story to tell you uh, from the week. It's just something like a little snippet or whatever um, from the life and time of Bomani Jones. Uh, I ain't really even got that. Like I, that always disappoints me, by the way. Like I always wind up feeling like when that sort of thing happens, it's like, yo, um, ain't one thing happened. Like I normally got one funny story of some variety to provide you from my uh, chronicles. Um, nah. Oh, okay. I kind of halfway have one for you. Okay. So. Over the course of years, I came to realize, as many of us do, you know, as our adventures in dating women progress, that the lotion that I had been using my entire life, just going to the grocery store, wasn't really doing like a full on lotion and job. Like, I don't know about you, but I was just going through a place in life where, you know, I really felt like I was doing something extra by getting the lotion with the cocoa butter in it. Like, it didn't even matter that it cost the same price. I felt like I was making a more significant investment in myself right it's like cocoa butter like this is what we do also on another day we're going to have a very long discussion about how black people think white people don't use lotion ignoring the fact that lotion is so readily accessible in a way that would not be if only black people use it but anyway like white people like cocoa butter too i don't know who the white people are who use cocoa butter lotion i guess i don't spend that much time in white people's houses to know their lotion and situations and lotion for white people is not a public uh topic of discussion like lotion is for black people. It's kind of what brings us together. Anyway, so, you know, game goes on a little bit. You evolve, you evolve past the uh, past grocery store lotion. And then you wind up getting on what they call them, the butters. Right? Might get on that shea butter. You know what I'm saying? They butter got different names. I use this one, but I don't know how to say it shit. But, like, I use it. It's pretty strong. So, anyway, a couple weeks ago, put in that order right because one thing that happens to you when you make that transition over to butter life like that's where you are right and if you like get you a butter that you're comfortable with you don't really be trying to like flip up go to like another butter right like you can give me one of many brands of cocoa butter lotion at least back in those days and uh, you know i'd be cool with it so anyway i recognized that i was getting to the point of the uh with, with the butter that i need to order some more butter so order me some more butter for whatever reason, that butter order got delayed. I have no idea how. have no idea why. But so, I'm out to shower yesterday morning, right? And so I'm out to shower, and I'm looking at, like, the butter that I got left. Because I've already had to go into the travel butter stash, right? And I did everything I could to avoid such a thing happening. But I already had to go into the travel butter stash. And I'm like, okay, do I go like half ass with the butter today and hope to be able to make that other half rock the next day in case the butter don't come because the butter should be here, right? Been tracking the butter the whole nine. So anyway, while I'm in this process, I wound up checking the phone and I get an email from the homies at the desk and they're like, yo. You have a package. Package is from USPS. So I'm like, oh, my butt is here. 
let me go ahead and get all get all I can out of this butter I got here this one time. Because I'm going to go downstairs, and then when I come back from work, I'm going to pick that butter up, and then I'm going to come upstairs. Right? It'll be all good. That's my thinking. So I go to work. I come back. I go to the desk. I'm thinking it's about to be some butter. It's a box from Amazon with two books and no packing slip. And I didn't order the books. And, you know, so I'm a little freaked out about the, you know, the getting the order that I didn't make thing. Right. And so I um, call Amazon. I can't even get they, they can't get to the bottom of it. I'm like, all right, whatever. Right. So the morning comes. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in this sort of situation. But the morning came and I'm like, OK, how early do I think this man might come? and deliver my butter because I really don't want to get into the shower without having that butter on the other side. Cause like, you know what it would be like when you like, for whatever reason, wind up skipping a day of lotion and you feel ashy, right? But you'll make it. You skip a day of the butter you don't understand how it is that you ever lived like that. Like you have no idea how ashy you used to be until you go day without the butter. Now that people make this argument to you about the butter, who knows? Maybe it's like I got this New York city water. I don't know what it is. Right. But they'll talk to you about the butter and be like, okay, well the butter's supposed to get your skin to a point where you could go maybe a couple of days without it. And I see why people feel that way, except I don't see how people feel that way. Because, man, I was walking around here today feeling tight. Like, I felt like I was about to crack. I can't believe how ashy I used to be. Also, shout out to Brendan. Brendan appears to be a Caucasian, and he's in the chat room saying, never use that butter, but a day without lotion just feels super off. Like, I really, this is a very interesting thing. I feel like black people and white people could come together over discussions of lotion, because I'm, I'm just telling you now, there is an intense curiosity among black America about white people's lotion and habits. There really is. They would be surprised to find out why people use lotion regularly. Again, in spite of the fact that it's so easy to find in stores. And if we know anything about this world, that if it's only for black people, it might be easy to find in a store, but that store ain't going to be easy to find. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway, come home from work right before I come to do this, and the butter has arrived. Tomorrow will be much more supple than today was much, much, much more supple. And that's right, Jonathan, lotion going to end racism. It's not even so much that lotion going to end racism. It's just that lotion going to point out some similarities that we have that people don't think about. Like, I have to be honest with you, though. I am honestly a little bit surprised that white people uh, not stop using lotion. And generally, when we show up to a neighborhood, they clear out. Like, it shocks me that, like, white people lotion does not have a different name. I also wonder how many of the white folks that be out here buying cocoa butter lotion is like lurking and sneaking and don't want nobody to and don't want nobody to know that they out here, you know, getting down like us. 
you know, let me just stop and take a moment right fast, right? And I understand that some of you probably found this whole portion of what I discussed to be somewhat boring. I know that some of you probably didn't find it to be nearly as entertaining or hilarious, and I can understand that because some of y'all, A, don't know that butter life, and B, again, white people have different lotion and experiences, right? Anyway, I showed up here with absolutely nothing for you to start this show. Like, eight and a half minutes later, I gave you a full treatise on the inability to go back after getting on that life of them butters. I am personally rather impressed with myself. Like, if you're not, that's fine. I also do remember this, too, about the butters. My roommate in college, he has some kind of butter. I don't know what I, I don't like it's comfortable calling it a butter. Like, I feel like I'm going to describe it and somebody in the room going to know exactly what it is. Like, it was like paste. Like, it was like glue. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you put that on, and I guess, I mean, it was real sticky. And, yeah. Now, somebody's talking about sound like shea butter. No, 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 no. I said it was sticky. Yeah, like stick them. Like I, like I remember putting that on. I'm like, so how much? Like, how much of this am I supposed to put on? And like, I got really hairy legs, right? So like, I'm putting what feels like glue into. Was it mango butter? Maybe it was mango butter. I mean, I, it didn't feel like no butter. Like I know what butter is. This ain't feel like no butter. This felt more like honey. Yeah, yeah. I was never doing that again. There's some weird shit he brought from Philly. I don't know. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. Wow, that's a lot of questions. Wow, got all the way to the bottom. Couldn't pick a question because there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, there we go, there we go. All right. Um, not denying that you called your boss an effing moron is the best way to get yourself fired, right? This is a very interesting question about our friend Rex Tillerson, who, okay, so I don't understand what it's like to be as rich as Rex Tillerson. I don't. So as a result of not understanding what it's like to be as rich as Rex Tillerson, it's very easy for me to believe that now that you don't got your paper, that you don't really, like, need to do stuff anymore like i can't imagine having the paper that that man's got and then being like yeah let me take this really hard job that comes with an absurd amount of responsibility like i don't i don't feel like that's the kind of thing you do like after you've been ceo of the oil company i mean i feel like now it's time for you to do something to give back you know go work with lepers you know blind kids right like that that would be my thought Instead, somehow Rex Ellison, in large part with a nudge from his wife, as I recall from the stories that came out at the time, decided to become the Secretary of State for Donald Trump. Now, keep in mind that he became the Secretary of State for Donald Trump, but does not like actually know this guy. That's one of the more interesting things to me about this cabinet that he has put together is is a bunch of people, at least from what I can tell, that Trump doesn't really know. And so this dude winds up in this job, and then next thing you know, he looks around and is like, yo, I greatly misunderstood what the floor was on. Right? Like, I do think a lot of the people who decided to jump on board with this were operating on a very, very, very dangerous premise. Well, it's not really a premise, it's a question. And the question is, I mean, how bad could it be? 
right? Like, I feel like that's part of what drives people into this. It's just like, okay, I mean, really, how bad could this be? And uh, the answer of how bad this could be apparently has surpassed um, or whatever the exact inverse of surpassed is. It, it's pretty bad. And so apparently this dude is in meeting and calls Trump an effing moron. Right. An effing moron. I mean... It was like, yeah, I mean, he did deny that he uh, was considering resigning. That I found to be interesting. Like, that's the thing about it. Either you acknowledge everything, you deny everything, or you go point by point. Like, those are your options. You cannot be like, okay, I will say that one thing is not. Although I guess I do that sometimes, but sometimes it's got to be. But actually, generally, the times where I'm like, okay, that one thing, that, that can very often be, like, the only thing. Like, there might be others. Like, I do understand that sometimes you got to get to the thing that's most important. I would think in that circumstance that the thing that would be most important is, no, I did not call the president of the United States an moron. For me, like, that would be the way that I would order these in priority. Now, I can't say how you do things. I don't really have a great idea of the way that you get down. But for me that would absolutely be like the first thing that we're saying. Like, no, I did not call you a moron, Mr. President, right? Because regardless of how you feel about Trump or what you think about him, he is still Mr. President. He still is. And in front of the free world, my man neither confirmed nor denied. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So is he trying to be relieved of his duties? It is entirely possible. I do. I who do you think would be willing to take the job of secretary of state, which for what it's worth is a job that they have to fill. Like, you know, because they haven't filled it really any more positions than they've absolutely had to. I think that was a lot of the Bannon influence. Um, but like Bannon's gone kind of still around, whatever, but this is not a job that you can leave unfilled. Like there has to be a secretary of state. Somebody got to be going around the world, making nice. I don't know if the president fully understands that, but there's got to be somebody to do this job. So like, you can fire Rex Tillerson if you want to, but then you got to go find somebody to do it. And I imagine that that has grown difficult to find people who are willing to be like, yeah, yeah, let me get, let me, let me, let me get on board with that. Nah, 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 nah. I don't, I feel like if you are capable of doing that job, you probably should be smart enough to know that you don't want to do that job. I could be wrong. But, you know, that's the way I see it. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Do you ever think, uh, do you think you will ever reach a point where you stop listening to rap? So I was um, riding the other day. And I was running that RTJ3. I realized something, by the way, about the RTJ3. As I recall, didn't the Run the Jewels 3 come out on Christmas? Like, and I'm pretty sure it did come out on Christmas. And I understand why that, like, seems like a good idea. And there is something kind of subversive and, like, kind of funny about putting out your super-duper hardcore rap record on Christmas. 
But I will admit that that really impeded me getting into Run the Jewels 3 because I want to listen to Christmas music on Christmas. Like, that, like I like Christmas music. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm just, I am not in a place for a Run the Jewels record on Christmas. I'm just not there. And so, like, and I got back in it and kind of did some toes in it, you know, here and there or whatever. But I've been running the, uh, the Run the Jewels 3 quite a bit, and it is jamming, right? Like, I've come, I've changed my mind. I think I would say, um, in order, run the, run the Jewels 3 greater than Run the Jewels 2 greater than Run the Jewels. Um, I'm a big Run the Jewels 2 fan, however, so, you know, who knows? I might go back on a binge and Run the Jewels 2, and it might wind up being 2 greater than 3 greater than 1. Right. But either way, it goes. I've talked about this a little bit before we run the jewels and where this situation is interesting, where people are asking me, like, is run the jewels one of the greatest rap groups of all time? And if I were to just go strictly on the quality of the content that they have put out in those three records, then the answer would absolutely be yes. The problem is we're talking about dudes who are in their 40s. I mean, I'm 37. So, like, I'm not calling them old and ancient or anything like that. But. This isn't like influencing the direction of the game in the way that we would typically think of the great records doing. It's not their fault, right? This is a young man's sport in that way. I say that, though, to say, why would I ever stop listening to rap? Like, there are enough people who make enough rap that I can find rap that falls in the lane or in the direction that I'm in. These young boys, by the way, are going to wind up getting older, and they still going to want to rap, and then they're probably going to start talking about things that I can relate to a little bit easier. That damn Anderson Pack Malibu came out last year, and I was talking to Combat about that, and I was like, there's something to be said for a record, that when you hear it, you're like, yo, I'm going to listen to this for the rest of my life. Rap is like the only music that people think that somehow you're supposed to outgrow, right? So, like, why would you stop listening to rock music? What 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 am I supposed to go then listen to, right? Like, what do you, what do you think it's gonna be? Like, what do you what do you what do you what do you, what do you, what do you think I'm about to do? I'm about to start bumping some classical. You think I'm about to start getting on that Mike Bolton? Like, what what do you think it is I'm supposed to do? No matter what it is, man, if you're doing it and it's jamming, and that's probably gonna be where I am. Now I am at a point where I can't keep up with these things like I used to. Like, people are putting me on to stuff all the time. Like, 10 years ago, I'm doing the kind of work where I put people on. You fast forward to now, man, I ain't in that place no more. I need people to hit me the game. I need the youngsters to tell me what's out there. Uh, you know, hit me to what's hot in these streets. You know, stop listening to rap. Why would I? Why would I stop doing something that I love? Like, I don't think the rap is going to wind up being like baseball for me. You know what I mean? Like, I was thinking about this the other day with baseball. I might say this on the radio show, but, like, I feel like when the baseball playoffs come around, it's like I'm spending a weekend with an ex-girlfriend that I really, really love, but we just ain't got it like that together. You know, but we can do it for a little while. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got. Uh, Somebody in the chat room trying to start a fucking pop quiz. Like, you want to know a top three on that? Okay, that's fine. How dare you ask a second question on why? Let me see. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wow. This let me edit your questions now. That's neat. What is Tom Petty's lasting legacy in music? So Tom Petty is an interesting case for me to kind of answer questions about. And the reason is, so for me, 
personally, right? I'm not disparaging anybody after they have died. I'm going to try to make a larger point in the way that I can. Okay. I do not love Tom Petty's music. Like, I've just never... And and the thing about not loving Tom Petty for me that makes it interesting is I like a lot of his music, right? But I remember when Petty did the Super Bowl, I was like, really? People like Tom Petty enough for him to do the Super Bowl? I, I I didn't think of him in that way. So I feel like Petty's got a lot of music that I really like, but like not that much that I personally really love. But it's been very interesting for me to listen to the ways that different people relate to his music. And those who are really into it, he has is the gift of the songwriter. So I was reading a book about Van Morrison once, and they said the job of the singer, the singer should bridge the gap between the songwriter and the song. Right? Or is it the gap between the singer and the song? Yeah, like this, the, the game is the, the bridge the gap between the singer and the song. So wherever the song is, the singer goes to that place, right? And the ones that can really get it to you is the ability to like really be evocative in that way and then resonate. And the thing that typically tends to resonate is like a notion of shared experience. Petty had a geographically indistinct sound, which is worth noting because he's coming out of Florida in the late 1970s, but like managed to capture a lot of that Mellencamp sort of feeling for people like in the Midwest, right? Like a certain level, a certain Americana, but not like with Mellencamp, it could also be very, very corny, right? And I don't think with Tom Petty, it really came across as being that corny. Um, And so I think that, Tom Petty is one of those where if his songs speak to you, they're going to speak to you in a very, very particular way. And even if I'm one of those people to whom the songs do not necessarily speak, I can see the value in the songwriter who can do that for so many people. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else you got. Somebody showed up here talking about it. Someone who is well-versed in economics. Do you think in a hypothetical America where black people prosper more with a socialist economy. And I'm like, yo, homie, I said this show is only an hour. Let me see what else we got here. How do I get my white co-workers to understand that not everyone knows Tom Petty music? They were shocked I did know his music. I'm confused. So, Brian, are you saying that they were shocked that you did or didn't know his music because you said your white co-workers think everyone knows his music but were shot that you did not so i don't really know how to answer this um i would say um however that on things like this white people very easily forget that we exist like you you have to understand this right like on these matters of culture like when they say everyone they are forgetting that we exist like, that's just how it works. Uh, somebody said the only time Petty song I know is I won't back down. No, nah, that's not true. Like, I think Petty's also another one of those guys where, for some of y'all, like, you'd be surprised. Like, I feel like if you had gone to a Tom Petty concert and you played all the hits, you'd be like, oh, okay, I know more of those than I realize. Like, my man's saying the only time Petty song he knows is I won't back down, I bet you know Free Falling. Right? Like, I bet if somebody threw a running down a dream on, you would know it. American Girl is probably one, though that one is older. Um, 
Yeah, like, I mean, you know more Tom Petty songs than you realize. I give you that. Let me see what else we got here. Another one here. Do you think there's a workable alternative to reparations? Like, man, I, I I am flattered by your beliefs in the things that I am capable of doing here in this setting. I I think you should be a little bit more realistic because y'all like trying to set me up to disappoint y'all. Let me see. Damn. My computer's going slow, so it can be difficult for me to go through all these questions. You have to forgive me for the delays here. Did you hear about the AD from Morehouse getting robbed by women in his home that he met on Craigslist? He also paid for her Uber to his home. So, yes, I saw this story, and this dude had some woman come in off Craigslist, and apparently she kept, like, trying to keep the door open, and he kind of sniffed out that there was something going on, and then she told him that she just needed the money, and then some people ran in and tried to rob him, and then he ran up the street, and then he called police, Um, and that was that. Um, And, you know... Hey, man, live the life you want to live. What I will tell you, however, is that I totally have underestimated how many people are, like, getting it done on Craigslist. And I am not saying that to offer any level of judgment of the people, like, getting it done on Craigslist. I just didn't know that this happened. And, I mean, like, the notion of meeting people on the Internet is like i mean you meet people where you meet them right but man craigslist and i mean nothing about that appears to be safe right nothing about that appears to be safe at all um like you think about this there's women out here that don't feel safe like riding in an uber after dark by the way totally understandable i'm just saying but at least with the uber this is being tracked to something if you disappear it's Craigslist thing. I don't know about that. I don't know about that at all. So, yeah. So, this dude got robbed. I mean, and that's an L, man. Like, he caught the real unfortunate L. I don't know who tipped the people off at the newspaper. Like, who's the person that saw that name? It was like, wait a minute, who? A word? Yeah, run that. Run that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it was a total setup. Right, and that's the other part of it, too. Like, he is absolutely the victim of this, and I suppose that there's a certain measure of sympathy that you feel as though you should have somebody in a situation like this as they are the victim. And I don't have it. I mean, that just really wasn't a good idea. It really wasn't. Uh, you know, and I guess, yeah, 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 that just, that wasn't really a good idea. That's the biggest thing that I've got there. It demonstrates some poor decision-making. Y'all might want to be careful with what y'all be doing on Craigslist. I, I mean, I just really had no idea how many of y'all was, doing, was kicking it like that. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Wow, there's a lot of questions to go through. What do you think will happen first? White people being generally honest about systemic racism or black men being honest about sexism in the black community? 
That is a very interesting question because the greatest impediment to both, obviously, is the blinding characteristics of privilege. Um, and I find it very, like, I never quite know what to make of, like, how people can possess the cognitive dissonance to oppose racism in very particular terms and then embody all those characteristics in an analogous space. Like, we take all the stuff about racism and then we project it onto the plane of, you know, matters of gender, and they turn into the exact person that they claim to hate. It It is bizarre to me to watch. Like, I don't know how it is that you can't just stop and get people to be like, yo, man. So, for example, like, the thing with calling women females, um, let's just say that you don't understand what the problem is with calling a woman a female, right? Like, I can see how there might be, again, some disconnect that makes it difficult for you to understand what the problem is with calling a woman a female. Let's just say that's you, right? Even if you don't understand what the problem is, why can't you just not do it? Right? Like, it doesn't cost you anything. Like, are you fiercely fighting for your right to call women females? Like I say, completely absent of the obvious intellectual points that explain why it is that calling women females comes off bad. If for no other reason than you don't ever call dudes males, right? Like we can get into some technical stuff and be like, oh, I never thought of that. Just that simple one right there. You don't call dudes males. That never happens. That should be enough to get you to stop and ask yourself why it is that you're out here calling women females. But you don't see what the problem is. Okay. How hard is it for you just to say women? How hard? It's probably not. And, yo, man, I want you to think about how many different ways we got that we can refer to women that women are just kind of letting ride, you know? So, I mean, if you do it right in the proper context, like call the women chicks. Yo, I mean, at this point, that kind of rides. Right. Like you've got all kinds of ways that you can do this. Right. You know, like if I was being entirely selfish about my desire to be as cute as I want to when I talk, you know, women being two syllables kind of messes up the rhythm and some like different things that we wind up saying. Right. It does. Like it'd be a lot easier if we had a good one syllable one to go with. And we kind of do, except we don't, because girls is not appropriate to use when talking about adults. Right. We don't call men boys. In fact, and tend to want to fight about being called boys. But you understand what I'm saying there. So, yeah, they say they don't want to be called females, bro. Just stop. Really, it doesn't have to be much deeper than that. Just stop. And what I will not understand is why that part is so difficult. Again, I don't know what to say about the fact that you don't, you don't get what the problem is. I don't feel like explaining to anybody right now. But I do think that one of the biggest things about, like, privilege and how this all gets down is this misguided belief that you only have to do something if somebody can explain to you why it is that you should do it, right? Like, as though you are owed this deep explanation for it. Just like, yo, man, women say they don't like that. Is it that hard for you to stop? That's it. 
So, like, operate whatever your thoughts are or what is the problem, da-da-da, whatever. You can scream that at the moon. I don't feel like arguing with your dumb ass about that. I just want to ask you why it is that you can't pay that small little courtesy and just say, okay, I won't do that. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How do you feel about pot legalization? I mean, it's not really changing my life. Let me ask a serious question because I've wondered this and I've read some stories that indicated that my initial hypothesis was incorrect. But how many people, like how many of you have had your lives like really changed by the decision to legalize wherever it is that you happen to be? Like how much has it actually changed your life? Whether you smoke or not, how much has it actually changed your life? If you live in a place that's gone legal and you smoked before, has anything really changed except for like potentially your ability to go to a dispensary? Right? Like, like so like where the game changes, I guess, on this for a lot of people is now they're a lot less nervous when they're in their cars. Like that's the big difference. But I have never encountered anybody who legitimately their rationale for like not smoking marijuana was because it was against the law. Like I I haven't met very many of those people. Now I've come to understand that like in Colorado, for example, it changed things for some of them folks. So like, um, like the symphony in in Denver, the symphony was doing weed night. Symphony was doing weed night because now all of a sudden it was legal and it was like getting high and, you know, going to go listen to music. From what I understand, it's a very common uh, combination of factors. And so I guess there's some of that in that element. But, you know, keeping people out of jail for a dumb reason, I'm here for it. Otherwise, it ain't really changing my life. Appreciate the question. See what else you got here. Runaway dropped seven years ago today. The best Kanye song, right? Oh, this is interesting. I think I may have written at one point in my life that this was the best Kanye song, right? I think this is one of those that, like, so I'm a music critic, and we music critics love these kind of big, outsized, way too long songs. Like, especially if you hit the mark on it, that's when we start talking about, like, greatest song ever made, like, top of the decade type tracks, like, big, outsized, epic type things. We tend to get into those, right? So Runaway is one of those. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the one that's real easy. But like, oh, my God, I love it. Or it's going to be the one that people are going to be like, oh, my God, he's trying too hard. And then you get to it and you realize, no, 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 no. Like this joint is about perfect. It is absolutely about perfect. Like it's just, I mean, the one thing I give all Runaway that makes it so cold is it is so damn evocative. Like you feel exactly what he is talking about in area. You feel push T and everything that he is talking about. Um, like it's money sonically. It is money. It is a great, great, great record. I don't know if it's the best. It maybe is the best. You know, in fact, I like, okay, I'll throw that out there. Yeah. I'll go ahead and call it the best. However, it is not my favorite. <laughs> Like, it is not my favorite, and that's no no beef, no shade to anybody else. It is not my favorite. My favorite 
is, was, and forever will be We Major. We Major is the one. We Major is like, all right, guys, so you like that first album? I'm going to kill it on this album. And, and, oh, by the way, (laughs) I'm here now. Right? Like, there's such a measure of confidence about the way that that sequence in that record to be like, oh, no, bro, we out here. How about that? We out here. Ain't nailed it. I mean, he absolutely nailed it. Uh, but that's my one, right? There's a particularity to that feeling. And, like, there's a bunch of runaway that I feel, but, like, I feel what's going on in um, We Major in a different way, right? Like, I'm much happier to be like, yeah, I know how you feel there, as opposed to Runaway where it's like, damn. I mean, I'm not saying that is me, but I ain't saying that it's, you know, not me. Also, by the way, I think probably my number two favorite, or maybe it's the number one favorite. I'm just not thinking about it because it came. It was on a. Uh, it was not on a formal release, but uh, my way is the lick, still the lick. For all them blacks cooking up that almost white, cause getting green make them treat us like we almost white, almost. I swear I'm a jukebox. Pick the American rock band out of these four bands. Talking Heads, Nirvana, R.E.M., and Metallica. Like, I mean, you want to ask some questions, that's fine. It ain't got to be no pop quiz. Damn. Like, I don't even understand how I can sit here and, like, chastise people for the pop quiz questions. And then you throw one out there, Jason Buford. You saw me clown people already. In fact, didn't I clown you already? Wasn't it him? Had any questions with, with any pioneers in New York City? Of course. Talked to my across-the-hall neighbor just a few minutes ago. I mean, I'm the pioneer. I mean, I'll never deny that. I am definitely um, in line with the pioneer spirit. Anyway, I got y'all about 45 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Journal. We try to get this thing done here about once a week or so. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you cannot watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. Also, look for us at the Google Play Store. Uh, next week gonna be tricky because I'm doing a bunch of traveling stuff, but we'll see how it plays. Anyway, I'll let you.